Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and I'm joined by not only Ryan Searfrost, but also his dog, apparently. Ryan, how you doing? Good. Trying to uh, make him be quiet. <laughs> Good he luck. Has no, he has no boundaries whatsoever. Wow, so he's, maybe he's, he'll be a natural podcaster someday. Oh, yeah, he's been on a few so far. Yeah, he's almost as much a regular member on the Armchair Show as uh, you are. Uh, he hasn't had an episode he hasn't been on. You're our first ever returning guest uh, so far. Uh, I guess we've had it been one time, so uh, pretty historic moment in the Full Press uh, Fantasy Pod history. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad uh, to be and, back. And, I mean, we brought you on today for a particular reason. We are starting up and kind of in the middle of our team-by-team coverages of not only training camp but preseason. And uh, unfortunately, full press coverage does not have anyone currently uh, writing for the Baltimore Ravens. So this was one team where we had to look outwards. It's going to be a few instances. And thankfully for, for all of us and for all of you, our listeners, Ryan, a uh, very knowledgeable football person, as you remember from the projections episode, and sp- particularly knowledgeable about his Baltimore Ravens. So thank you, Ryan, for coming on. No problem, man. Yeah, I'm always excited to talk to Ravens. First year, I think I've ever been excited to talk fantasy football involved with the Ravens, so it's kind of different and great. Uh, I know there's a few Ravens players that I'm pretty excited for about fantasy, so uh, let's just begin. Uh, is there any news that's come out of the last you know 48 hours about the Ravens? Anything we need to know about? I mean, it's true to kick their backup kicker for a fifth round pick today, but <laughs> that's kicker news, so nobody cares about that. But I can't believe somebody traded for a kicker. But, uh, yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, I'll have to look into the situation with Dan Bailey in Minnesota for them to actually trade for a kicker. Yeah, as yeah, he must not have been really bad for that to happen. But yeah, not a ton of news. Um, they're rotate. They're trying to figure out the last guard spot on the offensive line and the rotation on wide receivers, which we're going to be getting into. But it's been a quiet training camp, which is kind of a good thing. No injuries, nothing like that. Oh, yeah, I know the Ravens tend to be one of those teams that usually get ravaged by injuries, knock on wood, that they won't. Yeah, I hate to see that for any player, but it just seems like the last few years it's been Washington, Baltimore, and I guess my own Packers, maybe a little biased how magnified the injuries are, but it seems like all those teams just can never get the injury luck on their side. That's true. I mean, every year it's always the same teams, but Washington, man, I feel bad for them. Yeah. I've, I know I have, I've made my uh, thoughts about their owner very uh, public, but uh, this isn't a Washington episode, so we're not going to get into that. No, I probably agree, but yeah. So, where are we starting with the Ravens? Um, well, let's start with uh, Lamar Jackson. I mean, we know I, it's not really a training camp battle. We know he's getting, I assume, the majority of first-team reps, if not all of them, uh, and this is his team. Uh, yeah. Really established that last year. Do you think he can make the jump specifically as a passer this season? I do. Uh, there's a few reasons why, because obviously this is the most debated thing ever. If you ever go on my Twitter timeline, I'm just arguing Lamar haters. Uh, the reason why, they're catering this offense to put him in the best situation to win. They brought in Greg Roman, who's had plenty of experience with mobile quarterbacks. Colin Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, Alec, even Alex Smith, who everyone kind of forgets is athletic. So they've all ran very well with him. All have had over between 400 and 600 rushing yards. Uh, they've all been decent passers. Hot in a cat as for Kaepernick and Taylor, their best passing years of their careers were with Greg Roman's offense. And Lamar's already a better passer than both of those guys are. So I think 
he puts him in a good situation on how to use him. And I think that's helpful. And they're building a track team around him offensively, adding guys like Miles Boykin, who showed out in the uh, preseason opener, Hollywood Brown, who should be good to go. He was running 11 on 11s this week. And uh, some of the speed running, are running back with Justice Hill, then obviously the tight end. So I think they're building the team to cater for Jackson and give him in the best, or best situation to succeed, see if he really has it. Actually, I'm a little surprised to say he's already better than Tyrod Taylor because I do remember Taylor having a, a pretty good deep ball, but uh, we've also seen from Lamar Jackson, he's got a pretty good deep ball, at least over the middle. I know I've made my opinions about Jackson pretty public that he I thought he would step up, but the one thing he needed to do was his uh, throwing to the boundaries and to the sidelines, and that was where he needed to have some improvement. Have you seen any improvement with the, in regards to his uh, outside-the-numbers throwing? Yeah, I believe he's done a little bit better out there. He's still going to struggle a little bit. That was kind of his weak spot even in college. But last year with Crabtree and John Brown, they were horrendous at getting open on the outside. They were ranked 72nd and 93rd in uh, target separation. So they just weren't getting open. And those were the guys on the outside. This year they added the receivers we just talked about. I think that makes a huge difference. And guys who can get open and make plays, that's going to help him throw to open receivers there. So it doesn't even have to be a ton, just a few more passes here or there. It makes a huge difference for the completion percentage and it makes a huge difference helping them move the ball on offense. So if we, you know, we'll go back to your projections episode and some things you've talked about on Twitter, it seems like you expect uh, the, you know, the leading receivers on this team to come from the tight end group, which is not necessarily the, the usual thing. There's not a lot of teams where you can say that maybe the chiefs, because they have someone like Travis Kelsey, but you want to explain the tight end situation right now for the Ravens? Tight end situation's pretty deep for the Ravens right now. They have, obviously, Nick Boyle, who they paid a bunch of money this offseason, who's nothing to worry about fantasy-wise. He's basically just a blocker. Hayden Hurst, who was their first-round pick last year. Then Mark Andrews, who was their third-round pick, who is kind of just blossoming into Jackson's go-to receiver. He's been hitting him all camp. Last year, he had one of the most efficient seasons ever for a rookie tight end. He had the third most receiving yards since Gronk's rookie year for rookie tight end. So he's done really well. And him and Jackson have a natural chemistry. And he gets open where Jackson is the best of passers, you mentioned, like over the middle of the field. And he has experience working with mobile quarterbacks from back when he played with uh, Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. So. I think the two of them match up very well, and that's going to be Jackson's go-to guy. Hollywood is going to be more of that Deshaun Jackson role where he's just – they're hitting him on some deep routes and some screen passes. And then Boykin, see what he's blossoming to in Snead. But Mark Andrews has the most he's putting together for him. Well, uh, referencing those wide receivers, let's get to the next question. And who's getting first-team reps uh, among the wide receivers at camp? Right now, it's kind of – Willie Sneed's been the main guy right now who's getting the most. Uh, Boykin has just been fantastic. He's getting more and more work. Uh, he had four catches for 77 yards on Thursday night, and they had a 20-yard touchdown called back. So he's doing really well. I could see him getting in that number – maybe one or two receiver role on the outside. Uh, Seth Roberts is a guy to keep an eye out. And then – Hollywood Brown, he just got back to practice this week from his Lynn's Frank injury. So we'll see where he comes in. But I know he's putting in extra work, and 
he brings something that a lot of receivers in the league don't have with that ridiculous speed. And I mean, the traditionally in football, we see those, especially really fast receivers play on the outside, but it does seem like the last maybe half decade, there has been kind of a shift to put those speedy fast guys in the slot where they can get open. And I know, I remember hearing there were some rumors after the draft that maybe that was Baltimore's plan uh, for, for Hollywood Brown. Do you think that's maybe a possibility? He might get some reps there, but Sneed's been the man inside. He was good on the inside in New Orleans. He's doing well there now. He knows how to get open there. So I think they'll keep him there in majority of plays. But I think they're definitely going to find ways to move Hollywood around just to manufacture touches for him. All right, then. Um, rookies, it's always kind of a toss-up. We, we know, you know, we think we know how they're going to do in the NFL, and they never quite jump or the guys that kind of came out of nowhere and have huge careers so it's it's kind of a wide range for any player but certainly for rookies it seems so uh do you think all three of those main receivers are worth drafting in fantasy redraft i mean if you want to take dart throw on one from late i don't have any problem with it i don't i haven't had them stacked any leagues like i have more dynasty shares of the young receivers boykin and brown than anything else but Sneed might be a guy he could play in a pinch if you need a nice floor. So I'd feel the safest with him, but I think the other guys have a little more upside. Yeah, because it did seem like last year when Sneed was with Jackson, get a lot of targets. I think he was the most targeted, at least of the wide receivers, in the games Jackson played, but yeah. he didn't really ever have huge yardage games. I mean, he was always catching three, four-yard passes. Yeah, he's going to be that Quincy Noon type last year where he's going to have Eight targets, seven catches, 62 yards, and it's only PPR relevant. Uh, do you think now having played at least games with Jackson last year and going through a full training camp, do you think Snead's getting more confident catching a bit more downfield, or is it going to be pretty much exactly what we saw last year? He might get a little downfield. He's They showed some highlights from camp with it, but that's never really been his role. Even in New Orleans, he's never been a real deep threat guy. I guess next we'll talk about running the football, and that's something Lamar Jackson does really well. Uh, I mean, I don't. He never had more than that uh, twenty-seven. Was it twenty-seven rushing attempts against the Bengals in his first start? Yeah, that I, was I, absurd. I don't think that was ever part of the plan. I think that was more just, you know, midweek kind of changing starters in a pinch, just do your thing in the first start, and it seemed like the afterwards they got him more comfortable passing, but it still seemed like he was constantly around. 15 rush attempts a game. Do you expect that to go down? Uh, it should. There? It should. I don't think Marty Morningway knew what to do last year with Lamar Jackson. He had an offense built for Joe Flacco, who's the complete opposite of a football player. I mean, everything that Jackson does, Flacco just couldn't. But uh, I think he didn't have to do, and he didn't even know how to run like anything but the option with him. And he wasn't even an option. He didn't run the triple option on zone reads in college. He ran more power outside runs and design plays like that other than the option. I think another year, a full camp, obviously, you're going to move away from that. And then if you look at what Greg Roman's done, he's never had a run. He's, he's never had a quarterback over 115 carries. Uh, they've had higher averages actually than Jackson did running, but they didn't run as much. 
So even if we cut him in half down to eight and a half carries a game, he'd still be somewhere near the single season rush attempt record for a quarterback. So I don't think it's going to be double digits, but that seven to eight range is definitely a possibility, which is fine. Okay. Uh, and I mean, that's, I know last year with Lamar Jackson, he had solid floor. I mean, it seemed like every week he was getting you 15 fantasy points, but rarely ever did he get over, over that 20. So it's really going to be, can you take that step up in the past? That's going to determine if he's going to be at least a, an every week QB one. Yeah, I think he'll be, a lo- I think he has the potential to be low in QB one this year. I have him just outside of my top 12. And I mean, I've seen a lot of that. I know, uh, you're not the only one who's defending him vehemently on, on Twitter. I know uh, Stompy, Sam Stompy Lane, he, he's also been a big uh, believer in Lamar Jackson pretty much the entire offseason. And uh, he's, actually, he was on uh, our podcast uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that he thought Jackson did have that top 10 upside. Yeah, um, me and him have a uh, side chat going about Lamar Jackson basically at all times. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, just when there's like something egregious brought up, we kind of converse over it. But uh, yeah, he has the potential to do that because he has a rushing ability that's incredibly rare that we haven't seen before. And like I said, he's, if he grows as a passer, it's definitely a possibility of him to put up huge numbers in fantasy. Yeah, oh yeah, it's true. I mean, it's a pretty young team. I guess maybe one of the older, more veteran players is actually a uh, his main running back. And speaking of productive fantasy times, uh, Mark Ingram, not too long ago, just two years ago, was the, the RB6 overall with the Saints. And uh, now he comes to Baltimore. It's first time leaving the Sean Payton system. Uh, how has uh, Mark Ingram been so far in camp and preseason? Oh, they love Mark Ingram, man. He's between tackle runner. He bangs with it. He can't, he's a good receiver out of the backfield, which I think is completely underrated. I think it'll be a nice safety valve for Lamar. Um, I'd actually, since we last talked, my score, uh, my projections from went a little bit down on the touchdown department. I think there's going to be some serious vulturing uh, coming down there. But I think Ingram has RB2 potential pretty on a week-to-week basis, and it's going to be pretty solid all around. Seems like he where he's going, I've seen a lot in drafts, fourth, fifth round. And, I mean, he gives you a good – you know, like you mentioned, good RB two upside and good weekly floor. It seems like it's going to be his thing. Maybe the the ceiling's not quite there. I, I mean, RB six would I think shock a lot of people. No, I I yeah, I can't picture that. No, they're going to rotate. They're going to run the ball a lot. They're going to rotate a lot of, or rotate a few backs with it, which we'll obviously talk about. But I think RB two week in week out is perfectly in the realm of possibilities because right where he's getting drafted, like you said. There's a lot of question marks to running back this year. And he's one of the safer ones. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think where he's going, you're you're looking at a few rookies in terms of Josh Jacob, David Montgomery. And uh, I, I, we talked about it on the episode last year. I, I do like David Montgomery a lot, but it is he's still a rookie, right? I mean, we've seen Mark Ingram do it year after year. And while uh, there were some injury concerns earlier in his career, it seems like he's been pretty healthy the last few years. Yeah, he's been very healthy. And then... I mean, I know he's leaving Sean Payton's offense, which he's been fantastic in, but we had Gus Edwards averaging 5.62 a carry last year in this offense, and he's not really a special back by any means. 
And I mean, the Ravens have a pretty good offensive line. So it's, I mean, the Saints are arguably one of the best units in the league. So he's maybe a, a, a drop, but not a huge drop, not a drastic drop, certainly. Nah, but he should make up for that in volume. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because he never really did see a big workload. Maybe, maybe 2015 before Kamara got there. Yeah, but it still wasn't anything to write home about. So are you expecting him to get a career high in carries this season? I can see this possibility. I don't see his career high is, and I should have had that up. Yeah, but, I uh, didn't plan that. I'll, I'll look it up right now, actually. Yeah. But, yeah, I think he's definitely a guy who can uh, get 230 carries is his career high in 2017. I guess, and that was the year he was RB6, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, 230 carries. I can definitely picture him getting near that. It wouldn't surprise me if he went over. It wouldn't be, but he's definitely, I think, will be over the 200 range. And that'll be the fourth time in his career he gets that mark. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, he th- probably would have got there in 2015, actually, if he, he only played 12 games and got 166. So until yeah. last year with the uh, suspension year, I mean, he was kind of on that 200 pace pretty much every season. Right. Um, the touchdown pro- uh, production, I think, is going to be more around that or six touchdowns, seven touchdowns on the season range than that 2017 season for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, they put, Baltimore's recently started putting a jumbo package in where it's Gus Edwards, all three of the tight ends, and Patrick Ricard, who is their defensive tackle turned fullback. So wow. basically, 280-pound fullback blocked for Gus Edwards behind three tight ends. So I think that's going to steal a lot of his red zone work. And that, like, inside the five-yard carries... So that does scare me a little bit for his touchdown production. That's a, that's a <laughs> CFL move, using a defensive tackle as a fullback. I see uh, some teams that don't want to carry the extra running back do that a lot, where they have a backup uh, defensive tackle bl- actually play the fullback role. Yeah, it's where he started. He was drafted as a fullback. They converted him to defensive tackle. Now they're moving him back. Oh, yeah. so it's nice. very strange. But, yeah, he's a monster like as a human being, being huge. But, and I mean, certainly for coaches to have confidence in you changing position, it must say something about him being an athlete and also him being a, just a good football player in general. Yeah, I mean, he's never going to be a guy who most people even ever hear about, but he's a guy who's going to bring value to the team. Yeah, frankly, I hadn't heard of him until now, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, literally, if you don't follow Baltimore very close, no one's ever going to talk about him. He'll probably get a few carries. Right? I mean, you talked about goal line vultures. Is he maybe a, a potential goal line vulture as a jumbo? I, I don't think. I okay, don't he's, think. he's just going to be blocking. Okay, okay. Yeah, he literally, he's going to be like when they put Refrigerator Perry to block back <laughs> in the day. But yeah, I don't think he's anything to worry about vulturing. But Gus Edwards might. Oh, okay. And actually, let's let's get to the rest of the running back depth chart. So who... Who li- lines up right behind Ingram? Obviously, Ingram's the, the starter, but who's the, the considered the second-string guy? Honestly, I think it's going to 100% depend on situation. I don't think they have a solid two. They love Gus Edwards for some reason, really like him. And he can bang between tackles, so he'll get short yardage work, and he can block, and he'll get that red zone work. But Justice Hill's exciting man like every time he touches the ball you have to hold your breath i see them getting him on the field as much as possible he's the one i'd target in fantasy later because he can break off for a 60 yard run and a touchdown at any point of time 
And I think they'll get him 10 to 12 touches a game. Whereas Gus Edward, we're never going to know what game he's going to vulture the touchdown. And it'll, it's probably really hard to predict. Right. I don't want to go chasing touchdowns on him. And I mean, if something would happen where Ingram would go down, I'd put, I'd say Edwards is the guy who's going to get the majority of the carry still, at least at first, at least this season. So I'd put him as more of the handcuff. But okay. Hill has more value right now. Yeah, the standalone value. I mean, it, I guess uh, there's a few teams like that where you know, the, the not, like, I guess the Chargers may be the best example, right? If Gordon does not play, I, I feel like Justin Jackson's the guy who gets the role. But if Gordon does play, he's pretty much useless. But Austin Eckler will still have his kind of his same role. He's got his own standalone value. That's exactly what it is. I think Baltimore is going to be somewhat like that with their three running backs. Okay. Uh, and the three running backs, I know. Uh, do you expect them to keep Kenneth Dixon, or do you think he's going to be cut <laughs> in a training camp? How, uh, what's that situation like? Uh, if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have told you I thought he was getting cut because of his little incident on with his video he posted online. But he just produces. I remember him coming out of college. I, I thought he was a, a pretty good athlete and excited. I remember him being a, basically a, a first-round pick in fantasy drafts that year. And I know yeah. there wasn't much. I mean, behind uh-huh. Zeke and Henry, there wasn't really much at running back. Or Devontae Booker. I forgot he was that year. But, yeah, I mean, he just somehow, every time he gets on the field, he makes plays. It makes him very hard to cut. I wish they traded him, to be honest. So I think they get some value for him from someone like Tampa. But he's a guy who... Also could be in that mix for the takeover stuff that happens for Ingram. Okay, more so than Justice Hill. More so than Justice Hill, because I think right now those guys are, they want somebody to bang on the defense to wear out, wear it out for Hill to an extent. So you make it sound like Hill's got kind of a pretty secure role in the offense. While it won't be necessarily very prolific, it's going to be probably more valuable to the team than to fantasy sometimes. Yeah, I think I don't think he'll, this season we're gonna see it where it's completely fantasy relevant till maybe late. But I think he'll have good weeks right now, and then in the future it could be his job. But I don't think he's right now what they're gonna do to pound the ball with every game. Do you think that his? Because I guess a lot of the Hill stuff will be outside running and maybe some reception. Do you think Kenneth Dixon could possibly steal that workload? What with uh, like the third down roll on the outside for Hill? Yeah. Maybe spill Hill. Like if, you know, if Gus Edwards is sort of the change of pace guy to Ingram is Kenneth Dixon, the change of pace guy to justice Hill. No, I don't. I think Hill's role is pretty solid and diverse because none of those guys are an athlete like he is. They don't have the big or the big play potential, and I think that's going to be a huge element to their offense how they use him. It's not really one that they're going to be able to replace as easily. So that's why another reason I don't think they're going to really give him 15, 20 touches a game. Save him for when they really want to use him and and use him in that role and not give him too many carries up the middle. Like I would assume. No, like I said, yeah, a few are uh, maybe ten carries and three or four past times a game to him all right uh is there any other ravens player that we haven't mentioned yet that you think uh is worth at least monitoring for fantasy managers maybe seth roberts at wide receiver but i'm not huge on it 
Um, uh, right now, Miles Boykins the guy I'm following. I think he has a lot more potential than I really thought he was going to have coming out of the draft. He's literally every day they post videos of him just killing people out there. I think he's a guy who you can get the last round of the draft and have somebody who could give you production. I remember reading up on the uh, reception perception by Matt Harmon, and he seemed really high on, on Boykin. He liked his ability to separate, but also his ability to make contested catches. And he kind of, it's kind of everything you need in a receiver. It seemed like was his sort of spiel on, on Boykin. I mean, he's, he, he's huge. He's six, three, six, four. He's 220 pounds. He runs a four, four, two. So he's flies for that size. He can jump. He kind of does everything. And at Notre Dame, he was a big time blocker, which with Baltimore's mm-hmm. rush attack, that's going to keep him on the field. Ah, that's true. So uh, that's why I'm monitoring him very heavily. I could see him maybe locking down the number one role there. Interesting. So, yeah, as you've mentioned, you think Mark Andrews is going to be the number one target on that team, but is it fair to say if, if not Andrews, do you think it could be Boykin? I'd say Boykin or Snead right now. Okay. I'd, I literally I change my projections for how that pass offense looks like every week, I feel like. is. <laughs> We don't know because everybody gets news. They even talk about Chris Moore, who I think he's just a depth piece. Uh, but, man, they just – there's a lot of young guys there. There's so many questions this year. But I know the guys I'd put my dice on are them. I like – I mean, best ball season's basically over, but I like Hollywood for best ball. Okay, yeah, it seems a lot of deep threats tend to be favored in best ball, so. Yeah. Maybe some DFS. Uh, yeah, weeks against you know poor defensive secondaries that he can kind of exploit. Yeah, uh, I think it. Unless there's anything else, do you want to plug your Twitter account or any of the work you're doing? Yeah, uh, follow me at goingfor2.com. I'm Brian Sirfoss at Fantasy FB Connect on Twitter. I have some other cool stuff coming very soon. I'm sworn to secrecy that I can't bring up, but yeah, give me a follow and. Gonna drop as much knowledge as I can on Ravens and obviously everything fantasy football. I do dynasty stuff. I uh, do the weekly podcast for going for two. So I'm trying to get everywhere. Well, some suspense, some unknown work. Uh, I know I'm. I'm. You've got my attention now. I'm. I'm really curious to see what uh, what's next for you because you. I do like a lot of your work and uh, you mentioned all the stuff for going for two. You uh, you write a lot of good great articles there. So yeah, I think I'm gonna drop my projections this week too. Just ah, nice. make them public. I just gotta figure out a way to make it look nice when I do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, the, I'm not the greatest on the computer. I can put stuff together, but I can't make it pretty. So I'm a Firaxman's brain on that. But I'll probably release those this week. I mean, I, I like the spreadsheet form, and simple's fine for me. But I guess yeah, people people want something a little flashier. I guess. Yeah, I want to make it look nice. Anyone wants a spreadsheet, I'll send it to them. That's fine. Okay. Well, uh, thank you very much, Ryan, and thank you to all our listeners. This was the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. We're part of the Full Press Radio Network. Uh, you can follow all of our work at FP Coverage on Twitter or fullpresscoverage.com. You can follow this podcast at FPC underscore fantasy pod. Uh, both my co-hosts, Alessandro Senator and Dean Williams, give you their best wishes. Uh, you can follow Alessandro at AM underscore Senator and Dean Williams at FPC Eagles. I'm Kyle Senra at Yama underscore KS. And this was the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.